0: Welcome to the Venari podcast and the next episode in our Chief Commercial Officer series. I'm Joe Knight, Commercial Lead for Life Sciences at Venari Partners, and I'm joined today by Eric Matthews, who is Chief Commercial Officer at Arcus Biosciences. Eric spent time in various sales, marketing and commercial roles at GSK, Genentech and Roche, and more recently at AstraZeneca, before taking on the CCO role at Arcus. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the Venari podcast.
1: Hi, Joe. Great to be with you.
0: Great to have you here. So all right, tell us about your career today and a little bit more about your current role as CCO at Arcus.
1: Yeah, just to hit the highlights, I did start carrying the bag in sales uh, with Glaxo Welcome in, in primary care uh, and then moved into specialty sales in respiratory for a couple of years. Went back to graduate school for business and, and public policy at Duke and uh, from there uh, joined Genentech in marketing for Tarceva and, and lung cancer. Uh, exciting time, first time to bring a a new targeted medicine into uh, the lung cancer space. Um, uh, after Terceva I uh, moved on to Avastin, uh, launching in, in multiple indications in the US. And then ultimately, uh, with the Roche acquisition of Genentech, uh, moved the family to Switzerland uh, and, and for four years took on uh, various roles with Avastin, uh, relaunching in lung cancer in Europe and, and uh, took on a, like a global correct, uh, commercial director role. Um, and then from there, I came back to the States, uh, did some life cycle leader roles within, uh, Genentech skin, skin cancer franchise, and then ultimately IO, you know, while I was in IO, um, AZ came knocking to, to launch a, uh, a new therapy into the stage three lung cancer space. Uh, had some connections there, uh, from Genentech days, in fact. And, uh, so joined AZ to, uh, to build their IO franchise and global marketing, uh, and had a great great time launching and building out that franchise um, but ultimately in 2019 I, I joined Arcus as a uh, CCO um it's been four years and and
0: uh it's been great. So tell us about the CCO role at Arcus what has that encompassed uh, over the last four years? Sure it's, it's um it's definitely been a, a journey as we've, we've grown you know from
1: about 200 people when I joined now uh, almost 600 people uh you know, the portfolio has really matured over that, that time. Uh, I, I think about it in terms of you know, commercial launch planning, of course. Um, portfolio strategy from you know, designing proof of concept trials through to registrational trials is, is another big part of it and, and the trade-offs involved in, in that. Um, and then ultimately, BD was an early part of the role. Uh, when I first joined, I found that really rewarding taking on you know how we want to represent the company, the kinds of strategic partnerships that would be a fit for us as we you know, built out from a discovery engine into uh, the division of a fully integrated commercial company, um, and so so that that ultimately led to the, the Gilead partnership uh, in in combination with with Taiho for Asia, which which had already existed before I before I, I arrived at Arcus, but um, and really helping to sort of you know, facilitate and design the Gilead uh, strategic partnership was was a was a, a really exciting part of the role early on. Uh, now with that. Partnership. There's there's much more like alliance management, uh, which is not part of my role, um, but certainly you know that aspect now. You know, day to day partnering with the Gilead team on on how we plan to build out and commercialize our our medicines is 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 a big part of the role.
0: So you're talking there uh, about your time at um, you know, various different larger pharma companies, um, Roche, Genentech, <laughs> GSK, and AstraZeneca. Yeah. How does your experience from those larger companies impact your strategy as CCO in a smaller biotech?
1: Well, yeah, I've seen firsthand where larger companies can can have difficulty acknowledging challenges or strategic mistakes. Um, they can stay invested in programs too long. Um, you don't have so many of those luxuries in a small company if you, have, you have to do more with less, clearly. Um, I've also seen how you know culture is just so important uh, in a in a smaller environment where people are working more closely together across disciplines. Um, and you really have to be rolling up your sleeves, getting the work done day to day, which is really exciting. Um, there's a lot of white space to think through how to do things differently. Um, you know, you, you have the ability to attract the kind of talent um, that, that you might not you know, find in a, in a bigger company that are, are more risk takers, um, willing to sort of take their experience uh, and, and try to do things differently with you. And so you have to you know, r- really be adept at, at that sort of Push and pull of providing guidance, but also giving people lots of uh, room to to grow and, and and experiment with with doing things differently. Um, uh, you you can't create a whole work stream out of one little problem. You've got to handle multiple problems all all at once. And so, um, from that standpoint, uh, th- there's no shortage of things to to think through how to how to sort of get your 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 smaller team into you know a position to compete with the bigger players. Um, and so. From that standpoint, it's an exciting place to be.
0: It's a relatively well-trodden path, right? That uh, kind of senior leadership in, in big pharma going to um, a smaller biotech and taking a leadership role there. Um, I help lots of people think about that and uh, how they make that transition. Is there anything you think you did that you would offer as advice to execs thinking about following that route and becoming chief commercial officers in smaller biotech? The, the first, honestly,
1: is, is the science. I mean, the, the science has to be unique um and and to really dig into that spend time with the discovery group with the translational group um the only way that that biotechs can really compete with the bigger players is to have you know something that's that's unique enough to break through very entrenched incentives around how to develop those medicines and so um, from that standpoint i think really carefully about about what that scientific advantage is in the company and, and how that relates to the the profile of experience that you're bringing in, in terms of commercialization. I think that fit has to be uh, there for, right from the beginning. Um, likewise, with the, the people fit with the CEO, with the founders, with the executive team, that just just also feel right right away. Um, I think spend you know, spend time looking into the key players backing the company from the board to the investors and sort of you know how that company is, is started and, and plans to evolve make sure that that runway for you in terms of what you're looking for uh, to get out of the experience is, is really um, pretty clear. Um, I, th- I think also as part of that feeling out process with the CEO or, or the executive team, spend time laying out your vision for how you plan to, to build your team from you know, day one through through launch, um, you know, commercialization. it's It's a process, right? It's a process of strategic decisions of timed investments. And, and communication around a portfolio that's emerging from proof of concept into a, a registrational trial and into launch, and so that that fit as well around how you plan to communicate your you know positioning and and the company itself is is really important. So I think going through various aspects of of um, you know, your thinking through that uh, feeling out process is really important, so you don't sort of get into a position where that, that thinking is 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 not aligned uh, at the beginning. And unfortunately, certainly with Arcus, the, the fit was was a beautiful one right away, um, and uh, and it's been four years
0: uh, in the making. So, is there anything you think about your profile that particularly made that transition? Easier. So, kind of, was there a certain pathway that you followed in terms of the roles that you had um, previously that meant getting to that CCO position was, was more straightforward? Of
1: the things that have really um, helped you know, your network as you sort of build your career is is one of the you know, the most important assets that you bring to any new position, especially in a, in a biotech role. Um, so, fortunate enough to, to join genetic and Oncology at a time where they were really expanding, and, and you know, the the launch experience is is certainly you know, unique. So, so finding those experiences as you build your career is, is uh, I think, critical. Um, global marketing, um, I, I think, can't be underestimated. Um, it's one thing to start in sales or do some division sales management roles. Um, those are nice development, people management, leadership roles as you sort of build your career. But, you know, taking bigger leaps into sort of you know, a global marketing role uh and however long you spend doing that whether you're in the states or 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 actually take a position abroad I think um, that experience just pays dividends you know for for years and years um because that's another way to, to sort of build out a network in a different way um so, such that whether it's the companies you're working with um uh, or sort of the the launch experiences that you're you're, you're getting and different you know, healthcare environments and, you know, it's one thing to, to talk about launching a drug in, in, in the UK. It's another one to, <laughs> to, to do it and to see, you know, the scrutiny that the, that NICE brings to, to bear on a uh, clinical profile. So um, all of those things that I think are, are really important as you've you built your career.
0: Let's talk about Arcus now. Um, so I'm, I'm interested particularly in the partnership that you have with, with Gilead. Um, so you have this agreement to co-develop and commercialize next generation cancer immunotherapies. What does working in partnership with a farmer mean for you as chief commercial officer and how does that impact your decision making?
1: The partnership with Gilead is, is like an all-in 10-year strategic partnership. Uh, it's co-development, co-commercialization in the US. From the beginning, they have opt-in rights into anything in our portfolio that we plan to take forward, uh, that they would like to take forward with us. Um, and so, um, so based on that, uh, the, the strategic conversations about how to develop, you know, a uh, a new medicine is, is, is happening from the very beginning for proof of concept through to registration um, and, and because of that there's a lot of co-creation there's a lot of thinking through um, the, the joint um, clinical development plan um, you know whether it's uh, you know, indication selection combinations how something might fit with their portfolio how we might think about combinations within the arcus portfolio um, and so it's, it's a very dynamic day-to-day partnership um as we're still a couple of years away from launch, uh, we're thinking through you know, dosing, delivery, a lot of um, you know, product design questions, as well as product communication, um, and so um, so is a, we're in a fortunate place from that standpoint because we can we can build out how a, a full launch you know uh, portfolio will look as we think about you know what they'll have on the market and where the Arcus uh, medicines will fit within that.
0: So we're talking about launches there. Let, let's continue down that path. You've obviously launched multiple products throughout your career. How do you go about building a team ahead of a launch? And I think critically, when is the right time to bring in commercial talent into a biotech to get that launch right? I've had the
1: experience of, of having to build a team after a phase three reads out. So, so after Venica came to me when the Pacific trial read out earlier than expected at the first interim, a pretty low you know probability readout. So um Understandable that they had not yet fully committed to to building on a team, um, <laughs> that's too late. Uh, you, you don't want to be sitting there with your pivotal data and 18 months to figure out you know, your filing and launch um, uh, because the, the data starts to speak for itself. And, and in, in order to really change a paradigm, which in that case, nothing had been launched in that space uh, for 20, 30 years, um, We had to do a lot of retrofitting communication back to how the trial was designed. We had to think through engaging a whole different set of stakeholders. The the whole specialty had not really been engaged by by pharma and and, and IO, certainly. Um, And so so that's too late. You don't want to be sort of identifying your customer base and thinking about positioning your product after your your phase three data readout. Um, So to answer your question, I'd say when you're in that design phase of proof of concept. So when you're thinking about indication selection, combination partners, um, the, the sequence of therapy and how you would build out from a proof of concept into multiple indications if, the, if you're in that uh, position where the, the mechanism might have multiple uh, settings to evaluate and, and sort of make trade-offs against. Um, so really it's that proof of concept design that I think requires quite, an intentional investment in commercial thinking and 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 sort of expertise uh, you'd want to bring in into a biotech situation.
0: And where would you start building that team? How would you go about doing that?
1: In addition to a CCO, you would start with a an insights leader, someone who can do the analytics and insights uh, around um, a particular disease state, and the epidemiology, and sort of what's happening you know, broadly within the competitive space for a particular target. Um, you then think through portfolio marketing, so kind of early positioning and communication, um, and ultimately market access. Um, you know, within that sort of two-year time to launch time frame, you have to think through, you know, payer communications and positioning. Think through um, not just just pricing and market access, market access, but um, you know how you design your phase three as as far as you know um, PROs, so patient reported outcomes, um, you know, ways to really position. Uh, the phase three evidence against real world evidence so not just what you're going to bring to bear with your registrational trial but how it might fit with current practice so all of those things i think require those three prongs is sort of a, a pretty classical approach sort market insights market marketing itself and then market access
0: so eric we were talking earlier about uh, launches and commercialization how do you think about those two processes yeah, it's
1: kind of like a common misunderstanding in the world of biotech, even in larger pharma companies that they're not the same, right? I mean, launching a product is is that moment in time when you've done all the work and you've got your sales team, you've got your marketing team ready to go. The whole company is energized around bringing a new product to patients, such an exciting and unique time. Uh commercialization is is a process of all the you know, strategic decisions, investment timing, and communications that get you to that, that place. And uh, when does commercialization start? It, it could be at that sort of early, early target identification, which indication, which combination partner, all of those things are commercial uh, influenced decisions that require commercial input along with the scientific expertise. And um, you know, within Arcus, uh, that integration of discovery and translational science, clinical development and commercial is is, is is close by virtue of the fact that we are, kind of our, our vision is combining to cure cancer and, and how to make those combination decisions um, uh, meaningful and, and and the most informed they can be uh, right from the beginning.
0: Eric, it was a pleasure to have you on the Venari podcast. Thank you so much. And uh, look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Yeah, great to see you. I hope it was helpful. Thanks.